0: Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. I love what that song says. He has overcome all of it. He's overcome all of it. And that should speak hope to us today. Well, we are in chapter 5 of James today, and we are looking forward to um, digging in with you this morning But as we do that, um, I would like to just open us up with a word of prayer. So let's pray. Father, we come before you right now, and we just ask that in these next moments, God, that our hearts would be open. God, that you would impress on us the importance of prayer today. God, that we would understand how significant this act, this rhythm of our lives is. And so, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would be with us today as we um, dig into your word in your name. Amen. All right. So I want you to tell me, you can shout this out for a minute, what fixes it? I'm going to give you an example. Um Bob the builder can he fix it? Yes. He oh yeah, a couple of you have little ones. Okay. So give me some other things. What else fixes it? Yeah, duct Dad. Duct tape. Duct tape. Amen. Duct tape. What? Flex, Flex seal. Tim, the tool man, (laughs) tailor. Moms. All right. How about a coach can help fix a skill, right? They can teach us a skill. How about a teacher fixes a grade? Mm. Um, Dads, sometimes moms fix a broken toilet, right? Um, How about a doctor or stitches? What do they fix? all of our brokenness. Um, Siblings can fix things. They can fix resolving issues between each other. Um, The Lord can fix your life. But one of my favorite things is right here. I had to go to my neighbor to get this because mine are boring now. Um, I would like to know, I think it'd be a random fun statistic to find out, how much the average um, parent spends on these in their lifetime? Band-Aids. Because a Band-Aid fixes a boo-boo, right? How many of you in here, your kids wore Band-Aids around even if there really wasn't anything wrong with them? But it just, for their in their mind, a Band-Aid fixed it, so go ahead and, you know, I've seen little kids walking down the street with, like, legs and arms covered. Now, some of them are just accident-prone kids that really are scraped up, but others, it's like, no, they just, it kind of hurt right there, so they got a Band-Aid, right? Um, Band-Aids. My dad's fix-it methods for everything were Band-Aids and duct tape. Um, Dad often would pull a Band-Aid out and say, go ahead and put that on. My dad had this line that he loved to say. I hated this line. But he would always say, because I'd be crying, you know, I'd fall off my bike and scrape my knee, or I'd fall off my bike and scrape my shins, or I'd have scars to prove it. But um, he would say, it's okay, you won't feel it when you get married. (laughs) I was like, what does that have to do with, I would get so mad, like, really? And of course, he's right, like that scrape on my knee from when I fell off my bike as a kid, I don't feel it anymore. Oh, he was right. But there was something else that my dad used to do, that, was, that impressed on me um, just how important prayer is. And my, that is that my dad, you know, he'd put a Band-Aid on us, and the, on my arm or my whatever it was, my elbow, my forehead, my whatever. And then he would say, let's pray about that. Um, it was little, you guys. It could be a paper cut, and he'd say, let's pray that that stops hurting you. My dad taught me the importance of prayer in all kinds of things. He taught me the importance of prayer in the little things as well as the big. Sometimes I think we forget that God wants to hear about the little things in our life just as much as he wants to hear about the big things. And so I'm so thankful that my dad would stop and pray over all kinds of random things, like a bug died on the curb. Well, let's pray about that. Like, He didn't have to stop and pray about the dead bug on the curb, but it mattered to me. And my dad wanted me to know that because it mattered to me, it mattered to God. So he taught me to go to the Lord in prayer. I admire my older brother for the way that he bathes things in prayer. Um, I know that he's bathed things in prayer because he testifies to what God has done as a result of his prayers. Um, When he doesn't know what to do about things, he starts himself in prayer. I, one of the things I love, my, my brother will call Jeremy and I occasionally, and he'll say, hey, guys, this is going on. I don't, and he doesn't even have to give details. He just says, this is going on. I need you to join me in prayer for this. So not only is he bathing it in prayer, but he's coming to us and saying, will you join me in prayer with us?" Absolutely. Um, on this Father's Day, I want to say to all of you men in this room, whether you're a dad, whether you're an uncle, a grandpa, or just a neighbor, around kids it doesn't matter whether kids are in your life in any way shape or form would you do one favor for us on this father's day would you spend time in prayer it doesn't have to be dramatic it doesn't have to be showy just spend time in prayer and maybe spend time in prayer with us dads pray for your kids husbands pray for your wives uncles pray for your nieces and nephews Grandpas, pray for your grandchildren. Neighbor, pray for the kids next door, even if they're obnoxious. Maybe pray harder. Co-workers, pray for those that are around you. Friend, pray for your friends. Just pray. Ladies in the room, we don't get off scot-free here. We need to be praying too. Teenagers in the room, you don't get off scot-free either. You need to be praying too. Jeremy and I tell you this often, take it to the Lord in prayer. If it matters to you guys, it matters to God talk to him. That song, we played it a little while back, Talking to Jesus. It's a song that's out right now. If you haven't heard it, you need to listen to it. It's all about talking to Jesus. Think about this question as we go through this next part. When you think about prayer, in your mind, how powerful is prayer? Prayer to the believer is the most powerful force on earth. Ian McPherson tells the following true story. The person concerned is a scientist, a man who had been almost a devout atheist. Doing research in a pathological laboratory along with the other doctors, he attempted to find the wavelength of the human brain. They discovered a whole channel of wavelengths, and each channel had so much room that the different wavelength of each individual's brain is further separated in identity than the fingerprints on each individual's hands. This scientist wanted to experiment to discover what took place in the human brain at the moment of transition from life to death. A lady was selected who had a disease of the brain. This disease had affected the balance of her her body only. In every other way, she was exceptionally brilliant, but her family didn't want the trouble of caring for her. And being on the point of death, she was accepted as a patient in this research hospital. The necessary wires were connected to her room to ascertain what would take place. Also, a small, small microphone about the size of a penny was installed in case she had anything to say. Five scientists were grouped in an adjoining room, five tough, hardened men from a religious point of view. One of the instruments they watched had a needle pointing to zero in the center. To the right of the scale registered 500 points positive, and to the left of the scale, 500 points negative. Positively, this same instrument, or previously, the same instrument had re- registered the power used by 50-kilowatt broadcasting station in sending a message around the world. The needle had registered nine points positive. As the last moments of this woman's earthly life arrived, she began to pray aloud and praise God. She asked him to be merciful to those who had spitefully used her. Then she told God how much she loved him and was looking forward to seeing him face to face. The scientists had been so engrossed in the prayer and unexpected situation that they had forgotten their experiment. They looked at each other, tears streaming down their faces. The particular scientist that we're thinking about said afterwards, I had not shed tears since I was a child like that. Suddenly, they heard a clicking sound and turned to their instruments and found that this particular instrument was registering positive 500 and desperately trying to go higher. By actual instrumentation, these scientists had recorded that the brain of a woman alone and dying in communication with God had registered more than 55 times the power used by the 50 kilowatt station in sending a message around the world. If we ever needed proof of the power of prayer, surely this is it. Y'all, it's like off the charts when this woman starts talking to Jesus. I love it. Open your Bibles, if you have them with you, to James 5 this morning, verses 13 through 18. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. This is the word of God, and we all say together, thank you, Jesus. So we have this passage of scripture, and before I I break this down a little bit, I found a video this morning, and I'm going to owe somebody lunch here. And you all, if you're from around real life, you know what this means. But there's a video this morning that I need you to see. Talk about planting the word of God in a child's heart. I want you to see how it's stuck for just a minute. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and defective. James 5, 16b. It's so cute. I was, I was reading through the passage this morning, and I'm like, I have a video of Rylan. He came home one day, and he's like, Mom, I got a new verse. And I was like, okay. And he's like, the prayer, uh, you heard it. It's so cute. I love hearing our kids memorize the word of God because you know what happens? It sticks with them. It's like glue that sticks to you. That's what the word of God in our children's hearts does. So this passage, we, you know, I love the beginning of this. It says, are you in trouble? Pray. Are you happy? Sing, praise. Are you sick? Call on someone to anoint you. That's what we do here on Sunday mornings sometimes when we anoint someone with oil. It's not magical powers. It's the power of prayer and saying, I need the presence of God over me when this happens. We anointed Nate last week before surgery on Friday. He came through surgery great. Great. It's an opportunity to say, we stand behind you in this. And so if there are things that you say, I need to be anointed over this, I invite you, come to Jeremy and I say, could you anoint us today? Yes. We will find a way because that's an important part of what we do as the body of Christ. The prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. If you've sinned, confess your sins to each other so that you can be healed. And that verse, the prayer of a righteous person, I had a conversation with Jacob Steele last week about what a righteous person is. Guys, a righteous person, I think in our, in our day and age, we think of righteous as self-righteous, especially our teenagers. They hear that term and they think self-righteous. It's not always a good connotation when they hear the word righteous. So I pulled out my Bible in the same, he asked me about a question about a verse that he had read, and I said, let me get mine and let me read it to you. And the same verse was read and it said, was pure in heart. Now, ideally, we want to be righteous, but which one sounds better in our society today? Pure in heart. So our desire is, you know, the prayer of the person who is pure in heart is powerful and effective. Your prayers have power, people. That's exciting. That should be hopeful news for us. Prayer is powerful. That story confirmed it. There are moments over the last 22 years where Jeremy and I have gone into a hotel room or not a hotel a hospital room or into someone's home and we've laid hands and prayed over someone who was dying and they and we know that their moments on earth are numbered and so we'll lay hands on and pray for them and one of my favorite things that happens is when they they're laying there and they have labored breathing for whatever reason and as your hand is on them and you're praying for them all of a sudden, Their breathing is calm. It gives me chills even talking about it. Their breathing is calm. It's the same way um, when we deal with an anxious child or an anxious person. I know there have been times where the kids will come into the room in the middle of the night and they've had a nightmare. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's pray over it. Let me, let me tuck you back into bed. I'm gonna owe two lunches here. Jace had a season of life where he had nightmares. And I remember going into his room and he, he couldn't get back to sleep and so we would pray God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of, pow- but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so we began to write these scriptures and put them, he was in a bunk bed at the time, and we would put them on the ceiling above his bed. And I would tell him, Jace, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're afraid and something is, is, is getting, it's just, you're scared of something, I want you to look at that verse and I want you to say that verse out loud. Claim that verse. And he began to do that. And he began to memorize that verse. Prayer, and prayer of the word of God, holds power. Amen. I love when you pray over a child and their, their heart is racing and they're upset over something and you pray and you begin to just talk to the Lord and they're breathing calms. And they're shaking and tremoring calms. There are times after, after Jace was born where I dealt with postpartum depression really bad. And there were moments where Jeremy didn't know what to say to me. If you're ever in here, if you're in here and you're a spouse who's dealt with a spouse with depression or anxiety, hang in there. If you're dealing with it right now, hang in there. Talk to my husband. He's not an expert, but he's someone who walked through it with his wife. And there were moments where he didn't know what to do. And so what he did was he held me and he said a prayer. And it didn't take everything away, but it calmed me. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is talking to God. We've said this before. It's like conversation with a friend. Prayer does not have to be elaborate words. I've heard kids and adults say to us, I don't know how to pray. Just pray like you're talking to me right now. It's just a conversation with God. Prayer does not require that the prayer er has it all together. Prayer doesn't even always require nice words. Your pastor just told you that, Are you all right? It does not always require nice words. God just wants to hear what's on your heart. He wants your honest words. And he knows that when your heart is angry, that that's going to come out in your prayer. But don't not pray just because you're angry. God wants to hear from you. Prayer is both talking and listening. In a relationship, how many of you can ever say you have been in a relationship where there is a moment where your spouse, don't look at them right now, where your spouse couldn't listen very well? They did really good at talking, but they weren't very good at listening. Or vice versa, how about parent-child moments, right? You're trying to get your point across, and neither of you is listening very well. We're all guilty of that from time to time. It is talking to the Lord, and then it is listening. I read this on prayer this week. It says, we should remember, however, that our prayers should be progressive. Some prayers seem to be unanswered because we ask him to do what he's already guided us to do for ourselves. Why should he give us new guidance when we haven't acted upon what he's told us to do? We cannot expect a yes to today's prayer when we said no to yesterday's answer. Real prayer is progressive. We receive fresh and new guidance when we act upon his past guidance. I love this last part. Explanations come after obedience, not before. We don't always know why God answers a prayer the way he does. But we've got to trust that when when God says, do something, y'all, Jeremy and I moved to Texas having no idea why we moved to Texas. We pulled in, and Jeremy said, What have I done to my family? We didn't know. We just said, okay, God, you're calling us to go. We're going. Explanations came later. Now, in hindsight, after I've been gone from there for almost 15 years, I look back and I go, wow, God did this in that time in our life. It was a dark time where my husband struggled with anxiety and depression. We've swapped that role so we both know the shoes of being the caring one for the other. But we look back and we go, this is what God brought us through. This is what God taught us. Because we chose to say yes to what he was asking. Prayer requires patience. Oh, man. It does not always happen in our timetable. Amen? How many of you have prayed for something and it did not happen as quickly as you wanted it to happen? Raise your hand. Even you online, raise your hand. Yeah, there's a few back there raising hands right now. I believe it. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. We could preach a 10-week sermon series on be still. But right now, in the context of prayer, there are times where we've got to just be still and know that he is God and that he is at work and that his name is going to be exalted even if we're not seeing an answer quite the way we think we should. And we have to accept that sometimes he answers differently than we think he should. Prayer must be persistent. Henry Nallen reminds us of a medieval peasant who sought such an answer. In seeking to pray without ceasing, he repeated the simple prayer, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, hundreds if not thousands of times each day. With each and every breath, he prayed until it became not only the prayer of his lips, but the prayer of his heart. Friends, how persistent are your prayers? Are they just the prayers of your lips, or are they the prayers of your heart as well? Do you pray and not get an answer and give up, or do you say, I am not giving up because God called me to this? We're working through a series of greats with our teenagers on Sunday nights right now. Um, I love when we ask them each week and they can actually tell us what we've talked about. But um, a few weeks ago, we talked about praying great prayers. And what are great prayers? So I want to break it down for you just a little bit this morning. Um, Great prayers are deeply personal. What matters to you matters to God. Talk to God about the things that are on your heart and in your life and all around you. Great prayers are birthed in brokenness. Brokenness will cause us to pour out our heart to God rather than to find the right words or the most persuasive arguments to present to him. It's the helplessness we feel when a huge crisis hits us or when we're filled with overwhelming remorse, grief, or confusion. Prayers that flow out of brokenness cry out, I need you. They come from a people at the end of their rope. Have you ever prayed that kind of prayer? that prayer of crisis. I've prayed that prayer a handful of times. I've prayed a a lot of times. I prayed that prayer on August 2nd of 2018 at about 9.30 in the morning when I got a phone call to let me know my dad had breathed his last, last breath. I prayed that prayer as we flew home from Dallas, Texas to Amarillo to be by the bedside of one of our teenagers who had been thrown from the hood of a car because they were messing around. I prayed that prayer as I sat in the waiting room in high school when one of my fellow cheerleaders had been in a car accident on her way back home from Chicago, and she was dying on Easter morning. prayed those prayers of some really broken people have you great prayers champion God's agenda God invites us to pray for our needs but in the midst of our desire we need to pray God's agenda for us and for the world around us you may have needs and requests and desires and when you take those to God friends lay it before him and say God your will not mine And if you don't believe that, that you're willing to say your will, not mine, keep saying it. Because just like that guy who repeated it thousands of times a day, he repeated it so many times that it became the prayer of his heart. So may we be a church of God, your will, not mine. God, your will, not mine. In this situation in your life, your will, not mine, God. Over my children, God, your will, not mine. Over my children as they leave home, God, your will, not mine. Over my marriage, God, your will, not mine. Over my job, God, your will, not mine. Great prayers take God seriously. I'm going to read you a little clip of this. It says, people who pray great great prayers actually think God means what he says. Their prayers are promise-centered, not problem-centered. Okay. Okay. We start out praying for a serious issue, a wayward child, a financial crisis, a failing marriage, with an attitude of faith, right? When we go to prayer, we're like, God's going to take care of this. But over time, our natural tendency is to turn our prayers into a worry session in which we tell God how upsetting the situation is, how frustrating we are with his delays, and which details he needs to take care of to relieve our anxiety. We remind him of how faithful we've been to tithe, to go to church, to read the Bible, and how punching all of those buttons should keep us from experiencing the trial that we're in. We end up completely absorbed in our problems rather than focusing on God's promises. Y'all, if you want God's promises, we're getting ready to, we're getting ready to wrap up the book of Revelation as a church reading, and we're going to step into Proverbs, and we're going to be looking at Psalms. You want to talk about promises? This book is full of them. So let's, let's look at this. Um, instead of saying, we aren't going to have enough to support ourselves, God, what if we claim um, Philippians 4.19 and say, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Instead of the prayer, I'm so overwhelmed with all that's happening, I'm not sure how long I can hang on. What if it's a prayer that says, God's grace is sufficient for me. His power is perfected in my weakness. You are claiming the promises of God in your prayers. I'll never be able to forgive her for what she did. God, if I forgive others for their transgressions, then you are going to forgive me. Matthew 6:14. Praying scripture is powerful. There's more um, to great prayers, but you're going to have to read that book, and you can come see me about it afterwards if you're interested. Prayer and praises go hand in hand, and in the next few minutes, we're going to do something that we haven't done around here yet. Jeremy's going to stand up with the microphone, and I'm going to give you a chance to share some praises. I want to hear, one of the things I love over, with our teens over the last couple months is we've had them on Sunday nights write down something they want to praise God for and then something they want to pray about. They're learning the importance of praising God. And so, church, I want us to uh, revive a little bit of that right now. Uh, Rylan is going to spin the camera so that those who are online can see, and Jeremy's going to take it around. And if you're online and you have a praise, I want you to type your praise in the chat, and Sarah's going to take care of sharing that as well. So let's go. Share with me, what can we praise God for this morning? Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you would like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org. Thanks again for listening.